I guess it's fair to say the first thing we will be talking about here on this podcast is what is probably on everyone's mind, and that is COVID-19, the official name of the disease caused by the current coronavirus that we are experiencing here in the United States and across the globe. This is the In Session podcast where we bring Annapolis to you. I'm Heather Mangilio, and I'm joined now by Steve Winnell in our Annapolis Bureau for what might be one of the last times for a couple weeks. Yeah, at least, at least. Um, it's been it's been a hectic week, especially the the latter part of this week, Heather. Um, information has kind of been flying furiously uh, through the Senate and House of delegates. Um, I've attended a couple of Larry Hogan pressers now on this, and I think one of the things he keeps stressing is that this is a minute-by-minute situation that he's receiving information. Um, and really, I mean, to steal the—I talked to Senator Huff about it, um, Senator Michael Huff about it, one of our local senators. It's just surreal, um, and it, it's it's kind of hard to put into words. You know, obviously they're going about the day to day and do it still at this point doing the business of the people, uh, people's government of the state. But it remains to be seen how much longer this will continue. And um, yeah, it's just information is just flying very quickly in terms of precautions. They one of the main things that both uh, the House and Senate. Uh, you know, they barred, um, you know, any kind of public uh, visitation unless you already had an appointment scheduled. Uh, all bill hearings starting Monday are just going to be sponsor only. That typically happens uh, once crossover day happens, which is, uh, you know, around this time of year. But uh, the whole mood about what is what is causing these changes and, you know, the hand sanitizer have been all over the building for several weeks now, but I've definitely seen lawmakers use those more judicial, uh, judiciously, uh, especially the last couple of days. So. so I guess before we go any further, because I know there is a lot of stuff that we need to quickly jam into this, um, I want to address the fact that we said this might be one of the last times that you hear the In Session podcast. And before we even do that, I want to just say, I know what, for our listeners, that when you got onto this podcast to listen to what's happening in Annapolis, you probably thought, oh gosh, another podcast about uh, coronavirus, because that is truly what's on everyone's mind and all we're talking about. And I know there's a lot of people who are experiencing some coronavirus fatigue, and I wish I could say that we are not going to be covering it much longer because it's not going to be around much longer, but we just don't know. And it's clearly affecting almost all of our aspects of life. Um, schools are closing down in Maryland. I, I think we've been reporting on government changes, town changes, this, you know, the General Assembly changes, all related to um, the COVID-19 as we tried this thing called social distancing, which is basically trying to do this thing called flatten the curve, which is to reduce the, the lethality rate, the tr- spread of transmission, um, and get you know, make it so that the amount of cases are more manageable for the healthcare system so that we don't experience what happened in China and don't experience what's happening right now in Italy. Just try to to slow it as much as possible. Um, already, just today, we had a 50% increase in the number of cases. We went from 12 when I went to bed last night to 17 when I started coming into work around um, noon to uh, 18 a little bit later when Carroll County announced its first case. So things are just changing so quickly and we're trying to stay on top of it. Um, and because of that, because the Maryland um, General Assembly is 
going through some changes and because we just are looking at how we're going to allocate our resources um, and how we might have to uh, do our jobs going forward as we try to also stay safe, make sure we're keeping people safe. Um, it just might not be as realistic to have this podcast every week while we're going through um, this outbreak. I think just to, to cut uh, jump in here, Heather, there's a real possibility that um, the General Assembly won't make it to sign die, which is April 6th. Um, it, as far as I see it, um, they are meeting this weekend to you know pass the budget. The Senate passed the budget bill, and the House is going to take that up this week uh, weekend, I should say. And they really are only constitutionally mandated to pass an operating budget to make sure the government is still functioning. Now, there's been some talk between me and my colleagues here in the press pit that they're going to include Kerwin in that and try and get that through. But um, that's really a tall order in the next two or three days to kind of get that done. And we'll see where they are at the middle of next week. Um, there are a lot of old lawmakers down here over the age of 60. And, you know, everyone's been saying that, um, old, you know, the older the population is and kind of those of pre-existing conditions are most vulnerable to this. So uh, I know half of our delegation, I believe, fits into that model. I was just tell- talking to Delegate Carol Krim, who's been down here since 2015, and she's like, I'm, I'm in this population. So uh, it's kind of unsettling, she said, but, you know, everyone's kind of just pushing forward and trying to just uh, remain focused at the task at hand. But this is really, um, you know, both Phil Ferguson, I met, uh, the pre- Senate president, and Adrian Jones, um, the House Speaker. Yeah, this has got to be on their minds, and obviously uh, Governor Larry Hogan has been addressing this constantly. It's just really, it, it's kind of turned the state house upside down. I don't think that's overstating it, frankly, just in terms of how much it's on everyone's mind. And I'm just... Um Noticing also here from uh, Samantha Hogan, who used to be our state house reporter here in, um, for the Frederick News Post, who is now in Maine. She just reported, I believe, that they're also considering in Maine or have already closed um, the legislative session there. So this is not something that's just being considered here in Maryland. But I do understand that if they do decide to close the, uh, or halt the Maryland General Assembly until this um, virus outbreak um, stops, it would be a pretty historic um, decision. That's correct. Um, I looked it up. The last time this has happened is happened in 1861 uh, during the Civil War. Actually, back way back when that when you know people were doing the business back then, um, the General Assembly only met every two years. Um, but I remember the governor at the time uh, just called uh, a session in 1861. You know, it was turbulent times. It was the kind of the start of the Civil War. I mean, they actually went up to Frederick because Annapolis was too um, dangerous of a place to hold the General Assembly. So they they came up to Frederick, so that's a nice local tie for us, and held the Assembly off and on. Um, They they adjourned in the summer, and then they were going to come back. I believe this day was September 17th. And uh, it ended up being that uh, pro-Confederate members of the General Assembly uh, were arrested uh, by national authorities, and that you know that caused the session to be interrupted. So yeah, we're truly in uh, historic times here, and it, it's 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 at one, on one side of the coin. Every the information's moving really quickly about how each day and how they're kind of responding to it, and how what you know re- new possible restrictions might be placed on the state house and how it's in Senate buildings. But at the same time, like you kind of alluded to, this is a truly 
historic moment um, that's going to go down in the history books. Um, and it's something that we haven't seen much of, frankly, uh, in the state house. And I know there are people who are saying this is an overreaction. Um, it's just the flu. And I don't want to get too much into the overreaction that it's an opinion. And I don't want, we, we don't do opinions as journalists. We do facts and we are trying to stay as objective as possible and just get the information out there and be accurate and ethical. But in terms of people saying it's just the flu, it is not factually correct to say it's just the flu. It is a completely different virus. Um, both the flu and COVID-19 are viruses, but they are two different viruses. They have very similar symptoms because they're respiratory viruses. But this has a what, what we know right now, and this will change as we move forward in this outbreak, as we look back in the years to come. But right now it is considered more lethal than the flu. And it is transmitting at a higher uh, reproduction number, which is just basically how many people one person can affect um, than the flu right now. And so right now we are reacting and maybe, you know, and even Governor Hogan said this is an extreme measure. Um, and Fran Phillips, who's the dec- se- uh, sorry Deputy Secretary of Public Health Services, said these are extraordinary measures. This is an extraordinary time um, in a press conference. And they're right. It, these are, you know. I think fair to say it is a- fair and accurate to say it is ex- they're extreme or they might appear extreme. Right. I mean, w- um, when's the last time that K to twelve public schools across the state were shut down for two weeks? Um, besides for snow, besides for snow, Not- right? <laughs> and even for snow, you probably have to go back a good amount. I mean, two weeks. I, I want to say. <laughs> I want to say maybe in 2010, my memory's not quite serving me, but I felt like a month when we were closed for school during Snowmageddon. I think it was closer to a week and a half or two. Right. Um, just because it was a, a lot of snowstorms that, that converged together. But what we're doing is practicing uh, social distancing. And I think, you know, this is something that um, I was talking to Dr. John Dye with USAMRID. He's the chief um, viral immunology, chief of a viral immunology division, which say that five times fast. Right. Um, but he was basically saying these are things that we're practicing now because we, we should because we want to protect um, our elderly who will be affected. We want to keep people safe. But this is also practice for the possible next one. You know, this might not be the this might not be as scary of a disease. It, it, it certainly is scary to think of the unknown. And this might not be necessarily what you consider the scariest, but the next one could be. And so this is something that, you know, even when I was talking to Dr. Castellano with the Frederick Health Hospital much, much earlier on before we started seeing cases. He even said this might be something that every two or three years we see a new disease. So this is something that we might we might get used to. It might be a good practice run just to say, did this work? And if it works, you know, this might look like an overreaction, but if we prevent millions of deaths, I think that's what people, you know, the experts and Governor Hogan and the health department, that's what they're kind of considering when they're making these decisions. Yeah, no, I mean, and I think what's interesting to see kind of as this, as this situation develops is, um, you know, there is the, the normal debate that's been happening on the House and Senate floor on numerous bills. Uh, but I think what's going on in the back of everyone's mind, and at least in my mind, is um, what happens if they do adjourn early? Now, I think they can come back after... I Actually, no, I, I know that they can come back after Sine die um, to kind of revisit bills and whatnot, but I think the main priority now, like I said, is just getting the budget passed because you literally need the operating budget for government services to kind of continue, um, and I think that's the governor stressed that in a tweet today, um, that that needs to get done 
Um, and yeah, I think it. I think it's going to be. We're, it's going to be wait and see. I really think by the middle of next week we might see greater measures being taken. And I know that's speculation, but um, the 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 whole situation is just so rapidly evolving, and everyone's just kind of trying to stay on top of it. But it, I'm sure you can attest to this, Heather. It's at points it seems almost impossible. So I can say that. It is changing. When Governor Hogan first said information is changing at day, you know, monthly or not monthly days, uh, even minutes, I, I kind of thought, yeah, I can see that. And and now today, you know, I feel this is truly. I feel like we've been on call in a sense uh, for two weeks, uh, kind of on that high alert, um, trying to start getting information out for two weeks. And yeah, <laughs> it is changing so quickly. Um, you know, someone emailed me today to say your story's um, behind. And in the time that we edited and published a story, we got more cases. It's almost a little bit impossible to, to stay on top of this. We are doing our best. We are trying to keep people in Frederick County as informed as possible. Um, and that means everyone at the Frederick News Post. Um, I am the health reporter, which I think I might have said before on this podcast, uh, in addition to hosting this Um so I am really working to try to keep you informed, but that means our business reporters looking at businesses. Steve, you're looking at it in Annapolis and on the county level. We have our editors who are trying to get stories out as poss- uh, fast as possible and also helping to pick up the slack. Jeremy Arias, our crime reporters, checking in on the courts and the jails. And um, Hannah Himes, who is our, agri- our agriculture reporter, is picking up what she needs help with. Katrina um, Pereira, our education reporter, I mean, school's closing that is all over her. Uh, she's all over that um so we are truly a uh, Ryan Marshall with the city with the city closing I mean we are truly um trying to get this out as much as possible um I can't um it, it tell people on this podcast at, at all how fast this is um I guess if you ever watch the newsroom which is a tv news um show what yeah it kind of feels uh, like that you a know little when bit. you see those, yeah. those um, <laughs> breaking news alerts breaking news situations on that tv show um, kind of feels like that right now in the newsroom. I mean, we are truly, you know, we're, we're, we're trying to break news. We're on the phone. We are all talking about we're having, we have shoulder pain because we're taking so many calls and so many notes and working at this speed that you don't typically work at a, at a newsroom, uh, even when we try to break news. I don't want to keep people much longer, but I do know things are still happening at um, on the state level. Uh, I've been getting emails for, I'm going to jump in real quickly and talk about this bill for um, pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorder after strep um, called PANDAS uh, because of the acronym and not the fluffy animals. But um, the the parents that are involved in that have been keeping me updated because that bill would allow coverage for um, a very expensive procedure called um, IVIG, which stands for um, intravenous immunoglobin. I'm sure I pronounced that incorrectly, so I apologize um, but those procedures are, can cost up to $10,000. They're not covered by insurance. Um, I've covered this pretty extensively over the past year uh, about these families in Frederick, of which we have many. Um, but that is, I believe, has passed or is passing through different cha- uh, uh, committees in the House and Senate. So that's something I will hopefully find time to do next week. Um, and then, Steve, you were following up on a pretty, pretty big bill for domestic violence advocates 
advocates. Yeah, no. Uh, there's a bill that would make uh, strangulation a first-degree felony um, in the state of Maryland. This is something you've helped on as well, Heather. But that made it out of uh, judicial proceedings, a crucial uh, committee in the Senate. It hasn't reached a full vote on the House, yet, uh, the Senate floor yet, I should say. But uh, we, sh- I mean, that's the thing. If, if it doesn't happen this weekend, it might have to be taken up after they come back uh, when they recess, um, depending on what happens with this virus situation and everything. But I think uh, it got a unanimous 11 uh, nothing vote out of committee. I think it's a good. there's a good chance that the language pretty much mirrors what was passed in the House bill last month. Um, I think there's a good chance that that get, actually gets through this year. I know it's been kind of in the pipeline, some version, for multiple years now, but um, this might be the year that that piece of legislation finally uh, gets through and kind of aligns us with, I think, 46 other states or 47 other states. Yeah, we, are, we would be the 48th state, I believe. We're one of three that does not have this, which, kind, which the domestic violence advocates, um, including Pamela Holtzinger, who is a um, forensic nurse or the forensic nurse coordinator at Frederick Health Hospital. Um, they've kind of said this this is, you know, something that's it's about time for Maryland to do. Um, and that if we don't pass it, we kind of stay in the dark ages of domestic violence. Um, but, you know, I have to say on a side note, um, you know, there, there are people who we talk all the time about how fast and hard these people were working in Annapolis and how the advocates have come up to testify for the bill that they won or the people who have spent a lot of time on the, these bills. And you have to kind of slightly feel for them that this, while the session is stopping, that, you know, bills like this, where they're like, it's finally going to go through. They might have to wait. It might not be in October law change because of what's going on with COVID-19. It's a very, uh, very good point, Heather. And it, it, it's, it's, it's a good point. And I think there's been a lot of arguments from people on social media and in the public about, you know, if you're not going to allow public testimony, should you be continuing it all regardless um, if you're taking these kind of steps? And um, I think there's an argument back and forth. You know, obviously there's a month left of session about, um, and there's ways to watch online and submit written testimony to the uh, House and Senate committees. Um, but Again, uh, this is a very fluid situation, as I know you appreciate, and we'll see by the middle of next week. They'll probably have a budget finalized by um, Monday, I think, um, and then we'll see what the next steps are, frankly. It's just, it's really a surreal and crazy time to be down here, especially in my first session. Yeah, I think uh, I think I speak for everyone when I just say, wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Anything else that, you know, are, is really rising to the top, um, that they're trying to get pushed through um, because they are facing a possible delay in the session? Well, you mentioned health bills, and I've seen a couple bills on the Senate floor that have to do with telehealth and other things. That It seems like a lot of things that have some sort of health component or, component or help vulnerable populations. I've seen some last-minute uh, amendments that would make these pieces of legislation, emergency legislation, to kind of fast-track it and hopefully make it easier for the governor to sign and put into law. So I think that besides the, the budget and perhaps Kerwin, uh, if you see a health bill that might have kind of an aspect or an intent to help those with vulnerable or just kind of to help the overall public health of the state, I think you might see those get fast-tracked over the weekend and uh, become emergency legislation, I should say. So that's the one thing that kind of uh, rises to the top um, in terms of what might uh, kind of be I don't want to say rush through, but kind of push through, um, given what might happen next week. All right. Well, 
Anything else you think we should know? Just uh, on a lighter note, so anybody who's kind of followed me knows my Facebook profile picture, maybe, or just in general, uh, I've had a long hair and a beard, and I've <laughs> shocked many of the lawmakers down here. Now that I have a, I've kind of buzzed it all off and got a, got a shave. So I know the House Majority Leader Eric Lukey has kind of said, "I don't even recognize you," and that's been kind of the, the mo from anyone who's kind of stopped and said hello to me because the first two months of session, I looked uh, in the words of our photographer like a mountain man uh, bill green called me that the other day um and i think it, it's pretty accurate and so that's on a lighter note people are just kind of cracking uh, little jokes here and there about that well on that lighter note i will say when i first walked in the office and you had a, a new haircut i uh didn't recognize you quite at first i was like who's that new guy sitting at the desk that steve usually sits at um and then when we were watching the uh presser with uh, governor hogan last night we were looking for or i guess was it it was last night. Um, we were looking for you, and we all th- said in the office, well, you know, if he had his long hair, we probably could have spotted you <laughs> right, earlier. Right. right, exactly. Yeah, even from the back, just flows down, like, over the shoulders. Yeah. Well, Steve, um, I think that's it for us. Again, we don't necessarily know if we'll be back next week. Um, we will let you know if we decide to come back on air, but uh, or we might do a special um, podcast to let people know that the Maryland General Assembly did decide or did not decide to, uh, to halt. So we will try to keep you informed about that. But for all your needs uh, and all your questions and all your um, news in Frederick County and how Annapolis is affecting Frederick County, um, you can reach out to the FrederickNewsPost.com or visit the FrederickNewsPost.com. Right now, um, we are dropping our paywall in a sense. We are now allowing people up to 500 articles a month. Um, so that they can read all the news we're putting out about coronavirus. Um, and I'm going to just put a plug in here and say, if you read 500 articles in a month, or even if you read 150, you probably read us enough that you uh, should probably subscribe. So you can also find subscription options on our website. But for right now, you can read um, all the coverage that we are doing on coronavirus in the state house and everything that is possibly closing or not closing. No, you summed it up, Heather. Uh, please subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, the In, uh, in Session is pr- uh, produced by me, Heather Mangilio, in Frederick County, and Steve Bonell in Annapolis, and edited by Graham Cullen. We will maybe see you next week. See you guys. Okay.